Thank you, Pastor Abel, for praying for me. Yes, it's true. Prayer is a very powerful tool in our Christian life. Amen. Amen. So just uh, every time we wake up in the morning, just say a little prayer to the Lord. Thank him or praise him and do the same at night. Or, you know, we can pray every day. I mean, anytime we, we want to or we can pray. You know, at work, <laughs> they, before, we, before I eat, before they talk to me, they will say, okay, pray first, uh, Robert, and I know you always pray before you eat. So at least in that way of uh, small thing like that, they, they will know that we as a believer in Christ, they will notice that, they, that we're doing something that they don't do in, in their life. So hopefully that uh, this message that uh, I'm going to share with you tonight uh, could be a blessing to all of us. I think I, uh, I shared this uh, message when I was teaching Bible uh, Sunday school, I think, I think uh, three or four months ago. Then I shared this to my Bible study group also. Um, anytime there's an emergency, you know, like talking about emergency, like if a teacher is not ready to preach, if I appointed someone in my group, then if we're not able to do it, then good thing we have a backup, right? <laughs> That's why we save all our <laughs> messages, yeah. And I thank God for, for all the men, able men who like to preach, wants to preach, love to preach, amen. amen. All right, so the title of my message tonight is already posted there, A Walk That Pleases God. All right, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we are here once again, O oh Lord, to praise you and worship your name. And thank you, Lord, for, for all the blessings, for all the trials, temptations that we overcome, Lord, because of your mighty power, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, that uh, we cannot do anything without you, but that's why we always lean on you, Lord. That's why we give our life unto thee. Lord, may you the one who controls our life. May you the one who leads us, O oh Lord, in our daily life. Please, Lord, forgive us from all our sins tonight, O oh Lord, as we um, study your word, O oh Lord, and help us, Lord, to learn something from it and apply it in our daily life. Lord, I pray that you will use me mightily, Lord, hide me behind thy cross. Put words in my mouth that I can be a blessing, Lord, to my brothers and sisters tonight. Thank you for your loving grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, so I, I, don't, I don't know if I send the uh, text to Pastor Abel. But anyway, if you have your Bibles with me, all right, open it in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. The Bible says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in, the, in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own work, and your own business, sorry, and to work with your own hands. 
as we commanded to you. And verse, verse 12, that you may walk honestly, in Kapampangan, honestly, okay, toward them that are without, that they may have lack of nothing. All right, so in, this, uh, in the previous verses of this book, we can learn that the powerful admonition of maintaining a sexual, sexual purity even though we live in an X-rated culture nowadays. And the uh, preceding verses or chapters, it talks about the familiar section predicting the second coming of Christ. But close between about, the, about those two walls or mountains of truth is a pleasant valley passage. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, you know, we like to jump one verses or to another. You know, we like to jump from peak to peak and skip over these scriptural valleys. But since we are committed to study the Word of God, you know, verse by verse, we can't ignore this important passage that speaks about having the right kind of ambition. So when, when we were a young kids, right, I don't know if they do it here. I mean, I think they do it here also. Uh, my parents, my grandparents, relatives, uncles, cousins, the older ones that they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? They always ask you that. Of course, some will say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. But I think my, my answer there would be like, I want to be a successful janitor. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but seriously, I want to be a basketball player when I was, when I was young. But the Lord didn't give me a, a height, you know, to do that. I mean, I remember when I came here uh, in, uh, when I was 16 years old in America, I signed up for a basketball team. But the coach is like about 6'2 or 6'5. When he looked at me, he's like, uh-uh, you can't join the basketball. <laughs> so I was like, I just walk out. You know, kids today still have a big ambition, right? You know, they want to be rich and famous. They want a lot of money and live the life that they want. You know, there's nothing wrong to be rich and dream a big dreams. Dreams, big dreams is free, all right? A second grade class was given an assignment to draw a picture of what they want to be when they grow up. Remember the, um, the grade school here, they have a homework, they draw something and they, they go in the front and they tell them, the teacher or the classmates, what's that, what's that, what that thing that they draw. So a second grade class was given an assignment to draw a picture and, and she said that, she showed a picture of her mom and she said, I want to be like my mommy. You know, um, but in her picture, her mom is holding a, uh, her mom is like a, uh, is dancing, um, holding a pole, like dancing on it, holding on it. You know, you can, you can imagine like what the teacher's like, maybe is thinking about. So the teacher wrote a letter to this little child's mom saying to be very careful to what her showing to her kid. So the next day, the mother replied back. She, she said, dear Mrs. Jones, I wish to clarify that I'm not now 
nor have I ever been an exotic dancer. I work at Home Depot, and I told my daughter how hectic it was last week before the blizzard's heat. I told her we sold out of every single snow shovel we had, and then I found one, one more in the back room, and then the several people were fighting over who could get it and handing the money out. You know, her picture isn't me dancing around the pole, it's me selling the last snow shovel we had. From now on, I will check my daughter's homework, he said. <laughs> you know, there are many kinds of ambition. You know, especially us, you know, we like to dream big, you know. So in this message, we want to focus on what it means to have a holy ambition. Okay? So Paul wrote the believers in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 19, 4, uh, 9 to 12, about having a holy ambition. But there's dark side to ambition. In Webster Dictionary defines ambition as an enthusiastic desire for rank, fame, or power. So there are plenty of help, helpless, uh, helpful books written that ambition is a business world. So, I mean, there are books like titled Looking Out for Number One. You know, every man is a king, pushing to the front, climbing to the top. How to be the king of your hill. Fly to the top of your career ladder. So that is an ambition as a world sees it. But the Bible teaches that selfish ambition can be unfulfilling. So there are many hard charging, like, you know, dog-eat-dog businessmen and women who spends all their adult lives scratching, you know, climbing up the wall you know, to, to get up to the ladder to be successful. So then they discovered that they're leaning against the wall. Here's what Paul wrote about the, the wrong kinds of ambition in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife of vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let it steam other better than themselves. And verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So, but there's a wonderful kind of ambition that we can call a holy ambition. So what's the difference, Brother Robert? A selfish ambition is striving to do what you want to do. A holy ambition is striving to do what God wants you to do. So, but when you place your life under the Lordship of Jesus, you'll find that whatever God wants you to do, you want it to do it too, right? As long we are in, in, uh, in the same uh, roof of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? Okay, most of us here are already adults and grown up, all right? But I'm talking about spiritually here. So here are some four good answers. Number one is, I want to expand my love for others. That's a good ambition, isn't it? All right, in verse 9, okay, the Bible says that, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So Paul here loved these believers and 
they love him too. They had the reputation for loving others, believers as well. So Paul commanded them for this, but he warned them not to be satisfied. He encouraged them to let their love grow deeper and deeper and wider. The word Paul used here for love means a brotherly love. Even if you can't read Greek, you know this word is a uh, Philadelphia or phileo, phileo love. So it means tenderness and affection. And Adelfeo literally means those born in the same family. So it's, the, uh, it's a family word. So Philadelphia doesn't just mean a brotherly love. It means a family love. We love others, believers, because we have all been born in the same family. Right? So how is your love life? <laughs> Those who are uh, singles. But I'm not talking about your romantic love life this time, okay? I'm talking about your brotherly and sisterly love. So what the world calls love isn't always genuine love. Genuine love, I'm sorry. You can say, I love you. You can say, I love you. If I have an ice cream cone, I give you half. If I have six pieces of candy, I'd give you three. But if I have two apples, I would, be, I would give you one. You know, if I won the lottery, I'll send you a postcard from Italy. <laughs> you call that love? <laughs> so, so the Bible gives us the definitions of real love to the scripture that our pastors use at most ceremonies where they officiating a wedding. Is the descriptions of love Paul gave in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four to eight. Let's look at. Let's go there. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse four to eight. We are from a very. This is a very familiar verse as well. Okay, the Bible says charity means love, suffered long and is kind. Charity invade not. Charity vouteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not, not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believing all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Okay? And number verse 8, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, there shall, be, there shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So, <clears throat> so in, this, uh, in this lesson, we can see that... Um, um, so, in this lesson, we can see that when, when we, may, we may talk so much about love, loving people in general that we love no one in particular. So, what does it mean to love more? What does it mean to love more? I don't think it means you love me more. Paul is writing to the church here. I think it means you look around your fellow believers who needs your love, you need your help. May the Holy Spirit show you some, someone who needs your love. And when you love them, then you're expanding your love to them. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to live a free, I want to live free from worry. Who doesn't want to live free, a worry-free life here? 
Right? We all worried, right? We all worried. Okay, in verse 11, right? Let's go back to our text. Right? Uh, the Bible says, okay, and that ye uh, study, hold on, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Okay, here, Paul said, study to be quiet. Okay, we live in a hectic age. Someone said, this is the age of the half-read page. Okay, the quick hash, the mad dash, the bright lights. You know, in, in, in our world, you know, it's a very, uh, what they call it, a uh, past-face uh, world. Like when you wake up in the morning, you know, you rush to go to work. You know, our fast-face world creates tension and anxiety. This produces worry. Jesus said many times, don't worry, okay? And there's even a song, don't worry, be happy. You know, the most popular problem in the world besides sin is worry. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair, like you keep rocking it, but you're not going anywhere. So the opposite of worry is faith. So there are only two kinds of situation here, okay, that we'll see in our life. Those you can do something about, but don't worry. Do something. Okay? The other situation is something you can't do anything about it. So don't worry about it. So for every evil things under the sun, either there is cure or there is none. If there be one, seek till you find it. If there be none, never mind it. So seriously, seriously speaking, we need to learn how to escape from this hectic world and learn to be a quiet life. Here's a great plan. As we sleep at night, rest and needed each day for the, for the body, so silence and solitude are needed each day for the soul. The busier you are, the more hectic your world is. All right, then you need to plan daily spaces of silence and solitude. So retire from the world when you are in your bed. Retire from the world. Talk to God. You know, speak to God. And even if, the, if, even if it in the only bedroom you have, stay in the secret place till the surrounding noises begin to fade out of your heart and sense of God's presence speak to you. So call home your proving thoughts. So gaze on Christ what is in the, in the eyes of your soul. So plan to come to the quiet place every day to meet God in his word and through prayers. You know, remember, God said in Psalms 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Number three, I want to mind my own business and be productive. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, in the same verse, verse 11, here Paul says, mind your own business and to work with your own hands. Paul was an apostle, but also had a real job here. He was a tent maker. He worked with his own hands to make sure that, he, that his tents and sell them to, uh, so he could have money to live on. So he didn't want to bother, you know, or burden anyone. That's a holy ambition to work at a job where you are productive. So if you have job, praise the Lord. Amen to that. So just, just do what you can, all right? Sometimes, you know, there are workers like if the boss is not around, they just sit around and do nothing. 
And if the boss is around, no, pretending that they are working hard. Why don't we do it opposite? If the boss is around, we'll just sit there and do nothing. You know, you'll be in trouble. So today, many people think they're too good or too educated to do hard work, right? So a fresh college graduate was being interviewed for his first job. The interviewer asked, so what kind of salary you are looking for? And the college grad said, oh, somewhere around $150,000 a year. Oh, oh yeah, the interviewer says, what about six weeks paid vacation, full medical and dental, and a new card lease for every year? And the, interview, and the, interviewer, uh, and the, uh, the fresh graduate says, are you kidding me? And then the, the interviewer says, no, you started it. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> so it is a holy ambition to want to work hard to make a difference in our culture. So let me give you a real-life example here. This is a real-life example. Ben was, a born, was born in a poverty-stricken inner-city neighborhood in Detroit. He was raised by a single mom and was doing poor in school. Most assumed he would turn out like rest of a young man in his uh, crime-filled neighborhood. However, Ben's mom refused to accept that future for her son. Who would like to have that kind of future for your children? She cleaned houses for some families. She considered to be uh, successful, and, and she noticed the parents made their children read books instead of watching television. So she went to the library and checked out four books, two for each her son. She, told their, uh, she sold their television and told them that they had to read books in one week and write a report to her. Of course, kids don't like to read books today. They get angry when you don't open the TV. So the same thing here, Ben was so upset, she, uh, she, she got uh, um, mad, you know, and she continued this practice for many years. Read one book a week and write a report for her. But Ben said to his, uh, was a middle school when he was realized that her mom could not read but she always scanned the book report like she was reading them. So Ben started to excel academically. He graduated with honors from high school and attended Yale University and earned a degree in psychology. Then he attended University of Michigan Medical School where he attained his medical doctor. So he went to a pediatric neurology. So Dr. Ben Carson, I know you know him, is the director of uh, pediatric surgery at Johns Hopkins University. So his last book is America the Beautiful, Rediscovering What Made His Nation Great. So he has become one of the most respected physicians in America. Because of that, his family has given thousands of dollars away as a scholarship to children who shows promise. He has set up a Carson reading rooms in many public schools so Ben Carson is a Bible-believing followers of Jesus Christ. Ben Carson is a great example of what it means to mind your own business and be productive. So while his friends in Detroit were out getting into trouble, so he was minding his own business of feeding his mind. And as a result, he has become a very, very successful member of our society. So the question we often ask young people is, what do you want to do 
with your life. But the better question is, what do you want to be? Being becomes first before doing. We call human being, not human doing. So if you strive to be the person God wants you to be, then you'll be doing the things He wants you to do. A holy ambition doesn't mean you grovel into the ashes of obscurity. It means you are productive for God. So this message can, can or will empower young people to be a person who will make difference. So you could be a greater, greatest, you can be the best, you can be the King Kong banging on your chest, you can beat the world, you can win the war, you can talk to God banging on his door, be a student, be a teacher, be a politician, be a preacher, be a believer, be a leader, be an astro astronaut, and so on and so forth. You may not end up in the World Hall of Fame. But if your life is consumed with the holy ambition to, to please God, you'll end up in God's Hall of Fate. So what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? My last point. Okay? Like I told you, I like uh, basketball. You know, this is uh, three points foul in an in a arc and plus one point. Okay? So four points. So I want to be respected for being self-supportive. I want to be respected for being self-supported. Uh, in verse 12, okay, the Bible says that, uh, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So after leaving a church one Sunday, a seven-year-old boy announced to his parents, Mom, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor. Wow, the parent says, what makes you think or what makes you do, uh, think that you want you to be a preacher or a pastor? Well, the, 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 the boy says, I figure I have to go to church on Sundays anyway. And I think it would be more fun to stand in the pulpit and yell people than to sit down and listen. <laughs> Is that true, Pastor? Is it easier to yell people? Yell at people? <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> so here you may feel insignificant and what you don't, it doesn't matter, you know. It says here, Paul wrote that, that he would live in a, in a way that even outsiders, non-Christian, respect us. The way we do that, it is by working, so don't become burden to others. So have you ever wondered or have you ever asked yourself, does what I do matters? I don't have a high school profile job, you may say that. Nobody respect me. If you are doing what God wants you to do, it matters to God. Amen. So you may feel insignificant, and what you do doesn't matter. But the Bible gives us a holy ambition, and what, and what you do does matter, and it will matter for all eternity. In my conclusion, okay, if your ambition is to get rich just for the sake of having riches, that I holy, that's, that's not a holy ambition. If your ambition is to become famous, just so people will know your name, that's not a holy ambition. But when your ambition is to please God and serve him, he can even use the rich and famous. So Albert, Albert Fujols, who likes baseball here? Okay, do you know this guy? 
one of the greatest baseball players in the league today, is born and raised in Dominican Republic, okay? Where he practiced baseball using a lime for a ball and an empty gallon of milk for a glove, okay? His parents moved to America when he was in high school. In high school, he hit 450 home runs. And after that, every opposing pitcher intentionally walked him in his first game in college, he hit a grand slam and turned an, uh, an assisted double play. So his college coach told him, you are ready for a big league. In 1999, okay, I think uh, Brother John likes Cardinals uh, baseball. Uh, in 1999, the Cardinals drafted him in the 13th round, which means more than 400 other players were picked before him. But when they soon realized what a great athlete they had, in his time with Cardinals, he led them to two World Series. The Cardinal is he beat the Detroit Tigers in five games in 2006. Then most of us remember with the Angus how the Cardinals beat the Texas Rangers in the seventh game. So most Babel ex expert agrees Paul Pujols is, is headed for the Baseball Hall of Fame. But that's not what he wants, you know. And, 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 and to make the long story short, so he became a uh, most valuable player, World Series, and his chief ambition is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So here are his own words when, when, when he was interviewed. He said, my, life, my life's goal is to bring glory to Jesus. My life is not mostly dedicated to the Lord. It is 100% committed to Jesus Christ and his will. So God has given me the ability to succeed in the game of baseball, but baseball is not the end, he said. Baseball is the mean of by which my wife Didi and glorify God. Baseball is simply my platform to elevate Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I would also rather be known as a great husband and a father that an all, than an all-star baseball player. Perhaps one day, he said, I could be honored with an invitation in baseball's Hall of Fame. That would certainly be a boyhood dream of mine come true. But it's a, it, it, it is a far greater honor than one day I will be in heaven with God and enjoying him forever. So that's why, that's why I consider Albert this is Pujols or Pujols to be a real champion in baseball. So as a real champion for Christ, okay, all of us are real champion for Christ, do you have an ambition? Do you have an ambition? Is it the ambition to expand your love to others? Is it the ambition to live free from worry? Is it the ambition to mind your own business and be productive? Or is it the ambition to be respected for being self-supportive? Remember, God will honor you if you will honor him with your life. Amen. I hope this uh, simple message will really uh, learn us something. Okay, and again, whatever we learn tonight, I hope and pray that uh, we can leave it out there and uh, carry it out and uh, apply it in our daily life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Once again, our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your uh, protection. Thank you, Lord, for giving us, Lord, an open mind to study that word. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, um, for Apostle Paul, Lord, for his uh, 
admo uh, admonition, Lord, and each uh, um, believer, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as uh, we live in this world, and I pray that that we uh, that you want us, uh, you make us what us want you want to be, Lord, not what we want our, ourselves to be. Lord, we always uh, follow your path. But I know, Lord, it's hard sometimes, Lord, to obey. But I know, Lord, in the end, there is a great price waiting for us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that uh, you will continue, Lord, to soften our heart for thee, O Lord. Continue to ask, uh, help us, Lord, to obey thee in truth and in spirit, O Lord. Once again, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, brethren. Thank you for your time, sir.